You're listening to the Arisha Wisdom Podcast, episode 36. Welcome to the Arisha Wisdom Podcast, where positivity and spirituality create an enhanced life's journey with the wisdom of Ifa and Arisha. I am your host, Iya Omileti Olubumi. Welcome to the Orisha Wisdom Podcast. I am Iya Omileti. Thank you for spending some of your time with me to talk about all things Orisha, spirituality, and growth. So, especially for this one, turn up the volume in your car, put on your earbuds, grab a friend, grab a cup of coffee or tea, something good to drink, and let's chat. Today's episode is being brought to you by our very own Orisha Wisdom's top five things to know before choosing a godparent. It is our newest resource available to help you choose a godparent in our traditions. How do you get your hands on this? Simple. Just go to www.orishawisdom.com forward slash godparent choice. And after you hear today's episode, you're going to see how important it is. This is a very, very special episode because I will not be here by myself. Nope. On this episode, we're going to be chatting with someone that is going to get very real about the topic of godparents which is why the title of this episode is Godparents Demystified. She is going to speak with us about the process and the realities of having a godparent in our traditions. Grab a notebook for this one. Like seriously, grab a notebook. But if you're driving, don't grab a notebook. You can totally come back to this one later and save it, bookmark it, and just get ready because this is one is just so, so good. With this, I'm not even going to tell you who it is. We are going to get this party started. I am so excited, so excited to have somebody very, very special. And it took me a long time to ask this person who gracefully said yes. So I am not going to take away any of her thunder, but I literally, I don't know if you guys are all into the whole GIF things, but I am like in the movie Frozen that she's like all excited. That's me right now. So I would like, I'm just so excited. I would like to introduce Iya Eni Acho to the Arisha Wisdom Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for asking me. I'm so excited. So I, um, I'm, I, I really am. And I keep telling her, I'm like five years old, trapped in a 40-ish year old body. I'm so excited. But we want to get into an interesting conversation. So a lot of people may not know about you. So let's start with the basics. Tell us a little bit about you. Who are you? Tell me about your lineage. Just whatever you wish to share. Sure, thank you. I'm a Lukumi Oloricha, or as we would say in Cuba, a Santera. I'm crowned to Otun. And my lineage in Cuba is known as the Palmira lineage because it's from the, the town of Palmira. Specifically, it comes from Mafea Fernandez, who was the daughter of the founder of the Sociedad Santa Barbara in Palmira, which is very well known for its yearly festival for Santa Barbara. And she was made in Havana by the daughter of Adechina, one of the first babalaos in Cuba. Her godmother was Pepa Herrera, named Eshubi. In, in the religion. And Pepa was made by Nyainez Garcia, who was from Africa, Yeye Tolokum. Mm-hmm. So we always trace our lineage back to Africa, if we mm-hmm. can. 
but it comes through Havana and then into Palmira. And once it comes to Palmira, then I um, become associated with the Sevilla family in Palmira. A lot of Babalaos might recognize the name of Kundo Sevilla or Pablo Sevilla, very well-known. I've heard of that. Yes, yeah. I've heard of him. You're right. So my great-grandmother in Ocha was actually Kundo Sevilla's wife. Nena Estable is her name. Ocala. Mm-hmm. And she made Benita Sevilla, who made my godmother, Malena Capote Sevilla. So I come from the Palmira lineage through the Sevilla family. That is great. So thank you so much for sharing that. And that for our listeners is great because it also tells a little bit of your story, which is great. So since we're moving on to that, to, to that let us know what you do in your spiritual arena. Tell us just a little bit. Just give us a little taste. Okay. First of all, I'm not sure I have a spiritual arena, (laughs) but if I do, I would say probably it's focused on education, teaching, and writing about the religion. I'm really, really devoted to the idea of being an informant for the media, for example, newspaper reporters or television reporters who want to know something about the religion. Sometimes scholars or lawyers or police officers will contact me to ask about it. So that's something that I really enjoy because I think a religion is misrepresented so many times. Anytime Mm -hmm. I can reach out to somebody or write a letter to the editor or write a letter to the school board explaining a situation, I'm really happy to do that. I also see myself as sort of a cultural liaison between Palmira, my community in Cuba, Mm -hmm. where I do all of my religious work, Mm -hmm. and people from the United States, because more and more people are going to Cuba now, and not necessarily to Palmira, but they go to Cuba to to learn about the religion, and I try to help them to understand some of the cultural differences. Mm -hmm. I also am really committed to helping my community there in whatever way I can lot of community development projects and I try to help them sometimes by looking for financing for them but also just kind of being on hand and and doing what I can to move those projects forward and finally just I guess in a personal uh, level I would say that I really enjoy divination I, I do consultas for people and I really enjoy that so working with my god kids and and with people who need some orientation or guidance I'm really happy to work with them doing readings. Thank you for sharing. Oh my God, that is that is not just a spiritual arena. You just gave me like a whole circle there. And I love it. I love the fact that you are able to still go in into your community. And I think that the teaching aspect of yours, just the way that you write, it was such a pleasant thing when I called you a while back, remember? I'm like, oh my God, she talks just the way that she writes. It was like, so it was so refreshing because sometimes people talk in a certain way, like with their words, mm-hmm. like with their voice, but they use their words in writing differently. And you you speak the same way, but you convey things in a way which... I think the what you said about being a liaison is great because it fits you. Thank you. It really fits you. Like that's like a little glove, like a little guante for all my Spanish speaking people mm-hmm. out there. All right. You and I have had endless chats about this to the point that I was crossing my fingers when I asked you to talk to us because As you know, one of the key elements in our traditions is to get what I call the unicorn, which Mm -hmm. is a godparent. But it really is not a unicorn because it is attainable. But when you're coming in brand new, Mm -hmm. it's it's just like, oh my God, when is that going to happen? So I would love for you, without getting into some of the other topics that we're going to be talking about, I would love for you just to share a little bit of how did you know, like, how did you know that your godparent was going to be your God, like your person? Just take us a little bit through that, through your journey. Sure. I don't think there's like a magic solution or magic remedy to tell people how to find a godparent, but I truly believe 
that things happen the way they're supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. I had been interested in Afro-Cuban culture, religion, spirituality for a long time as a scholar, because I, I do research in that field. And I've been going to Cuba since 1993. And every time I was in Cuba, I always searched for people in the community. And I met a lot of Babalaos and Santeros. And, you know, I always felt like this is something that really interests me, but it just didn't click immediately. And I never felt any sense of urgency. Like I never felt I have to do this, or I have to get deeper into this, or I have to be initiated right now. It really happened in a very organic and natural way. Mm -hmm. And it happened specifically in a way that I think I could never have imagined happening. I was invited to work uh, at the University of Cienfuegos. I was doing some exchanges with my university and the University of Cienfuegos. And they invited me to um, be involved in, in one of their programs there. And I met a man who was a professor there who turned out to be a babalao. Mm -hmm. So he invited me to his house um, to meet his family, and his whole family is in the religion. And it turned out that he was actually the president of the Sociedad de Cristo, which is where years later I did make Ocha. But I met him first just as a friend and a colleague. And, you know, our conversations weren't all about the religion and how do I get into this. He eventually <laughs> did a reading for me, and I just you know, got got to know him as a person. And I, sitting in his house, his house was always like Grand Central Station. So there were tons of people coming in all day long and lots of babalaos and lots of santeros and santeras mm -hmm. and just stuff going on all the time. And I sat in the patio like a fly on the wall and just absorbed it and watched. And in his free time, I would ask a question like, why are you doing that? Or what is that? And little by little, you know, I started learning some things about the religion. As an aleo or a non-initiate, there's a limit to what you could know, but he never made it secretive or mysterious. It was always just like, well, you'll find that out when the time comes. And it was really through divination over many years. And by many years, I'm saying like, I don't know, 15 maybe a long time. And um, it came out that I needed to get aleques, my beaded necklaces. So I did that. And then it came out later that I needed to get Kofa de Orula, which I got. And it was my sign that I got in Kofa de Orula that said, eventually, I would need to make Ocha. I had not thought of it, frankly, up until then. Like, I, I really didn't think I was going to become Santera. But the sign said that I needed to do that eventually, no rush. And he really, you know, emphasized no rush when you're ready. And I think it was probably, I don't know, four or five years later that I actually, you know, made Ocha. And by then I had received my warriors and I really knew everybody in the house. I knew him. I didn't have a godparent. I had him as my godfather and Ifa because he gave me Kofa de Orula, but I didn't have an Ocha godparent at that time. And when the time came where I said, yeah, I think I'm ready to make Ocha now, he asked me if I wanted his mother to be my godmother. And I did because she was the, the daughter of the founder of the Sociedad del Cristo, the sister of Cundo Sevilla. And, you know, just like she had 60 years in Santo, and she agreed, but she was really too old to do it uh, physically. Oh. She was bedridden. And so I wound up with his daughter as my godmother. She was made by her grandmother. So it's all in the family. Mm -hmm. And at first I thought, this is kind of weird that I have a godmother who is younger in birth years than I am. But it was actually a really, really, really good choice because we have compatible personalities. And I think our age difference, the fact that I'm older in birth years and she's older in santo years, really creates a, a bond of mutual respect. And so, you know, it was a really good choice. When he first told me, I thought, or he asked me, do you want her? I thought, it's kind of weird, but I liked her, and the <laughs> reaction was yes. We asked Orula, Orula said yes, and moved forward. And my Oyubona was an older lady, um, more 
close to my own age who turned out to be his mother-in-law. So it really was all in the family. But I really liked that combination of having a godmother who was um, younger than me and an Oyubona who was an older person. I like the multi-generational aspect to it. So it was a good fit for me. So this is what I got from you. It was organic. So you weren't like, I need a godparent. I need a godparent. No, no, it no. It kind of just happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it came out of, I guess, a work friendship, but there was no, you must initiate right now or die. No, no. Okay. In fact, in fact, I think for the first few years that I knew him, whenever I would ask too many questions, he would say, tranquila, chica, <laughs> <laughs> calm down. <laughs> you know this now. There's time to talk about that, you know, afterwards. So it was always very much like, Paso a paso, you know, step by step, little by little. You'll find that out later, blah, blah, blah. But Ia, you know, it's really hard because in the beginning, I mean, when I got started, right, I was like, when I really got serious, I was what, 20? Like, seriously, I could ask you at least 10 questions in 30 Mm -hmm. seconds. And you just really want to know. So it takes a lot of patience to smile and say, you know what, you're going to know. And I think it takes a lot of restraint because sometimes I would literally like bite my tongue because I really wanted to get my answers. But sometimes we're not ready for that answer. You'll be ready, just not yet. And it's really difficult to explain that until it happens. Like you will understand it when the time comes. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult to explain, but it's really that. So I laugh because I drove some priests absolutely insane. So I get it. <laughs> I totally get it. Well, I realized too that with, with my godfather in Ifa, he was the kind of person who was willing to share knowledge, but he was not going to let me be the one to call the shots, you know? Okay. That was very important lesson for me to learn because as an academic, I'm ready to go in there with a notebook full of questions and me this, this, this. And he was like, no, (laughs) I'm not going to. And he was always like, calm down, have a cup of coffee, go talk to Lucy or whatever, you know. And he always made me feel welcome. He made me feel like I wasn't bothering him. But if I asked too many questions or he didn't want to answer me or he wasn't ready to go there yet, he would just shut it down. And I realized that I (laughs) I really had to accept that because I had to learn the lesson that I can't control everything. I think that comment is the perfect segue to what I want to ask you next. So I want everybody in this listening community to know that I am super lucky and blessed that she is part of the Orisha Wisdom community on Facebook. Like, yay! So I'm totally excited on that. And I've seen not only in that form, but in other forms, there's something that you always say. And what your last comment is like the perfect like segue to this. You always talk about this. And I understand what you're talking about, but I want us to try to explain it to the green person, the Alejo of Alejos, the greeny, green, green, because you always say something. You have to trust the process of finding a godparent. You have to trust that process. So can we break it down from a Lukumi point of view? What is this process? What is it? What is it? Everybody's dying to know. Well, the process, I think, makes it sound more systematic than it really is. It's not going to be the same process for everybody. Everybody gets there a different way, I think. But for me, the first thing that I had to understand, and it took a lot to internalize this message, is that if you're meant to be in the religion, to whatever extent, whether initiated or not, if you're meant to be in the religion, it will happen sooner or later, when the time is right, in the way it's meant to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's really magical and woo-woo, you know, like <laughs> you wave a magic wand and something happens. No, I don't think it's that. But I do believe that 
the Orishas and your Egun will put you on the path that you need to be on. And you need to just be patient and humble. I think that's really important. You can't grab the reins and say, okay, this is what I want. I'm going after this and I'm going to get it. Because if you do that, you very often fall into traps because we know how elegua issue will mm-hmm. set traps for you and play games with you. And you think you want this and you've made up your mind is going to be that godparent and no matter what you're going to do it. And very often when you try to force something to happen, it goes really badly for you mm-hmm. because that's not how it's meant to happen. So in the example that I gave you of my own case, When I went to Cuba to work at the university and do my scholarly work, I had no intention of looking for a godfather. That wasn't what I was going there for. And it happened in such an organic way that I remember thinking, oh, isn't this curious that a person who lives in Seattle, Washington, would end up in Palmyra, Cuba, And talking to this babalao, (laughs) who could have imagined that? And and it turned out that that was the path that I was supposed to be on. And it showed itself to me very slowly over time. Everything around me was confirming that this is the right choice for me. This is comfortable. This feels right. I, I don't have doubts or fears. And so for me, the process was simply slowing down and being very patient and being very humble and very open to things that were happening in the universe around me that put me on the path I was supposed to be on. And to be able to see that opportunity when it arose. Because I think that we do need to look for opportunities. We need to get out there and meet people or be places where we might come across people that can lead us down the right path, but we cannot rush it and we can't force it. So for me, the process would be something like, you know, if you meet somebody that you think is interesting, who's in the religion, I would go for divination. First of all, I think that's always the place to start. Many people in Cuba are never initiated in the religion, but for their whole lives, they go for divination whenever they have a problem. And they have somebody that they call their godparent, even though they're not initiated, because that person is like a spiritual advisor to them. So I think that going for divination and just seeing what the reading says is always a good place to start. I also think it's really important to attend events, religious events that are open to the public. And by that, I mean something like a drumming ceremony or maybe your, you know, a godfather's or or an elder's ocha birthday where they invite you and say, come over, we're going to be doing this and you can get to meet people that way. Yes. So going to public events is important. Getting to know other people in that community, not just running up to them and saying, tell me all about the religion and who's Yemaya. You know, but to actually just say like, oh, do you have kids or, you know, um, what do you like to eat for dessert? You know, do you want me to bring you some cake or, you know, just get to know them as people and have normal conversations. And as you're doing that, I think, you know, it's very important to have kind of an analytical mindset where you're, you're looking at what's going on around you and you're listening and you're paying attention. And the big question that you always have to keep asking yourself is, do I feel comfortable here? Do I fit in? You know, can I see myself with these people over the long haul? Mm-hmm. If the answer is yes, then I think you do have a future there. And a lot of people will follow kind of the set model of first you get your elekes and then you get your warriors and then you maybe might get an adimuricha, like a local, you might get kofa de urula or mano de urula or something. You can do that in different orders, mm-hmm. but I don't think anyone should just start out step one. I'm new to the religion. I know nothing about it. I want to be initiated. It, it doesn't work like that. There's a whole bunch of gray area. And many people remain there for their whole life. And not bad because not everybody has to be initiated. You've basically said what many of us say. And I think when the new people are coming in, the 
the challenge is you mentioned some things, I mean, that were so good, but the, the top, the top that I hear is that people need to slow down. And what you said, it's like, oh my goodness, I'm getting goosebumps because I've said this. And it's like, I want to scream because every day, yeah, I get messages on how to get initiated. Where do I get a godparent? Like it's every day that yeah. I get these messages every single day without fail. I get emails, messages. And what you said is so important, but it's, it's almost counterintuitive. You mm. said to slow down and you said some other good, good stuff. But then you said, you have to go out there, but you have to listen for the signs. So think about it. If you're not slowing down, like grounded, you're not going to be able to hear what we say, la little, the little vocecita or Ori talking to you or mm -hmm. anything or your guide, nothing, because you're so excited and you're, you want to force it so bad because you want it, that mm -hmm. you're not hearing those little signs. Mm -hmm. That's very true. I, I think that a lot of people are enthusiastic and they are excited and they can't wait. I understand that. But I also think that the orichas have their own time for yes. doing this. And if it's not time for you yet, it's not time for you. You just have to wait. And that's a very difficult message for people in our modern society to hear. We have instant gratification, everything. Yes. We can get on Amazon at two o'clock in the morning and order something that arrives on your doorstep the next morning, you know? That is correct. And people are used to that. It's like, I want this. Where do I get it? Here's my money. I want, they, they talk about it almost like they're signing up for an athletic club or a gym or something. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. And, and it doesn't work that way. I mean, first of all, there's not like an office where you go sign up to be in the religion. You know, it doesn't work that way. And you don't sign up for it. The religion calls you. And there's no other way around that. If you are, if you feel, if you believe you are being called, then you have to just trust the process that it will take you where you need to go at the time you need to go. And mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't grab control over it. I think there's, mm -hmm. there's too much desire to control everything and you have to let go of that. I am, I'm literally like nodding. Like, yes, absolutely. Because I understand. So I know that we have spoken in the past but how I built the community is through two lenses. So lens of a priestess now, which I am, but the other lens is when I was starting out. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm glad to hear that you can see the enthusiasm because that's, I, that was all that I had. I had this energy and I've said it before. I didn't care if it was Daffy Duck. I, somebody had to initiate me because that's what I felt I needed when I started because mm -hmm. I had decided that it was that way and it wasn't meant to be that way. But it's interesting what you also mentioned that I don't know if people are going to catch it, but I'm going to go back and fish for it. And I've said this before, but I'm glad because I, I want you to hear that it's not just me. These are from people from the community. You said that issue is there and issue will place things like if you want to force it mm -hmm. he'll he'll like oh you want to get initiated i told you it's not your time but you want to do it mm -hmm. here have fun with that mm -hmm. and it never turns out that way i'm sure you have like hundreds of examples on this but it you have to be patient mm -hmm. and so i hear this is what i heard you have to slow down. You still look for opportunities. You meet people. And for all of you who are looking, it's not like, hi, are you an Orisha priest? So tell me about this. Like, really try to get to know that individual. I think that it's important to know that this is not in a church church, like a building. Like, it's not in a building. Yeah. 
you have to kind of earn their spot, your spot into their homes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you, I mean, would you like to tell us a little bit about that? You kind of went into it because this is your story, but just thinking from people who like, let's say I'm standing in Walmart and I see somebody with a leke and I really, really want to talk to them. They're not just going to invite you to their house. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a, a thing that's very difficult for people to understand. And I get a lot of requests too, like you do, of like, where can I go to meet somebody or where can I go to find this person? And the answer is, their house. <laughs> you don't know them. You don't know who they are. So you can't just walk up to somebody's front door and knock on the door and say, hi, I heard you're an Olotica. Can I come in and talk to you? Um, no, because my home is my home and I don't know you and I'm not going to let a stranger walk in my house. So there is that element of, you know, you kind of have to meet them in an environment that's, I, 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 for lack of a better word, I say open to the public. And that would be, you know, like an Oricha event. Maybe they're doing a tribute to Yemaya at the beach or something, you know. And you go there and you talk to people and you act, you know, like a normal human being. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you, you show interest in them, not only because they're a priest, but because you really want to get to know them, you know. Yes. They're not, priests Priests are not like robots who walk around spewing out information about the religion all the time. Yes. Sometimes I don't want to talk about the religion. I'm tired. I, I would rather talk about the soap opera that I'm watching. So you have to remember that these are human beings. These are people who have full-time jobs most of the time. Um, they work outside the home. They have families. They have kids most of the time or elderly parents or somebody that they have to take care of. They have leisure time that they would like to enjoy. And they have their own God kids that they have to look after. So these are really busy people. And for you just to run up to somebody and say, tell me, you know, help me. I want this. It doesn't create a good impression. I would try to answer in a friendly way, but I'm not going to invite a stranger to my house. Yes, I think I hope everybody is taking notes because I want you all to know that as priests, we know that there are people who are looking. We know this. We know this. So many of us will answer you. And we, I mean, seriously, we, we, we know you're, you're hungry and you're going to be looking. We got, we, we got that. We understand. But at the same token, this is where I'm with my husband and my children and my dog. Right. right. And I don't know you. I don't know I don't know anything about you. And you know you, but I don't know you. So it's always a little challenging especially if you're meeting them outside, which is why something that you said was very good, a reading if that person divinates, mm-hmm. that's a good place to mm-hmm. start. To start. That doesn't mean that the moment they give you a reading, you're going to be my godparent. It doesn't right. work that way. That's a great place to start. Okay, so we kind of talked about a little bit about the process. And we talked that it doesn't, it's not linear. It's not first you go to A and then you go to B and then you go to C. Your process was very different from mine. And it's so beautiful because we all have a different process. But at the end, we all fall in our little, like our little cubbies that we fit perfectly. That was made for us. Right. But in order, so let's say, okay, so we're looking and we are, we're in the shopping market. (laughs) We're shopping around. Let's call it, let's call it like it is. We're shopping for a godparent. Mm -hmm. But there's two things that we have to know. And I, I would, I think you are a very good person to speak, at least from your perspective. What are some of the responsibilities? I think we could combine this into the same question from a godparent to a godchild. So we can cover that. And I think that these two, they have to be done at the same time because some responsibilities are similar. And what are some of the responsibilities from a godchild to a 
godparent? Yeah, I think in the Lukumi tradition, you become someone's godparent when you consecrate something and give it to them in ceremony. So when when I talk about a godparent, I'm not just talking about crowned godchildren, but a lot of us have godchildren who got elekes, who got warriors, you know, who come to us for divination. There are godchildren too. And our responsibilities as godparents is a little bit different to a crowned godchild than it is to one who is not fully initiated. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the non-initiates. And we can go into the crowned one, but I let's focus because remember, these are people who are in the Amazon. They're shopping for a godparent right now. Right. They've got their finger pressed on it. So let's talk about the non-initiate. So you kind of covered some of those. Yeah. So um, if someone is not initiated and has not received anything from me in ceremony, they're just somebody you know, that wrote to me from Facebook or like you say, came up to me in Walmart and started talking to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly don't have any obligation to that person because there's no relationship between yeah. us. And so it depends on my mood and how busy I am and what other things are going on and what kind of energy I'm picking up from that person. And I might say, yeah, call me sometime. I can talk to you about these things. Or, you know, I guess it would even be possible for me to say, let's sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk about this. But that should not be an expectation on the part of the stranger who comes up to me because I'm just as likely to say, I don't have time to talk to you now. I'm sorry. So if there is absolutely nothing to connect the godchild to this person they think might be their godparent. The godparent has no obligation because you're not a godparent yet. But once you start divining for the person, let's say if that's the first step, somebody comes for me to me for divination, I'm not going to right away say like, oh, now you're my godchild. So mm-hmm. we need XYZ. I I divine for them as a service. And if they have a godparent already, I really want the godparent to come along too to hear what the divination says. You know, yes. I, I'm not looking to steal anybody's godchildren. Yes. I want other people's godchildren. But if somebody comes to me for divination, I will divine for them. I will help them do the ebo that's needed. I will explain to them everything I can about the reading and what they need to do and what it means. I'll give them instructions. And I expect them to listen to the advice without arguing. Because first of all, when we do divination, it's not me talking, it's Eligua or one of the mm-hmm. origins, right? And so if I say, you know, you need to stop arguing with people so much, and they say to me, I don't argue with anybody, why are you saying that? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, need to, I need to say, I'm giving you the advice, it would be in your best interest to follow it. But when you walk out of here, if you don't want to listen to anything I said, that's your choice. You have mm-hmm. free will. I can't make you do something. So I would say the first responsibility a godchild or potential godchild has is to listen to the advice that's being given, not only through divination, but you know, if you go to somebody and say, tell me, how do I get involved in the religion? And they say, you need to be patient and look around. You don't want to start arguing with that person, you know, and you don't want to say, but I don't like that advice. I don't like what you're saying. If somebody says that to me, I'm going to say, well, then go someplace else and talk to somebody else. Okay. Once the person has received like the beaded necklaces, the aleques or the warriors, I think that the responsibilities of the godparent become greater than, and you need to be available Within reason, nobody, no godparent I know is going to want to take a phone call at three o'clock in the morning from some godchild who wants to know the candle blew out that I put for my egg and what does this mean? You know, don't wake me at three o'clock in the morning to tell me that because I don't want to know. I'm sorry. That is so funny. But (laughs) I thank you for sharing that because 
I think that in the beginning, unfortunately, people are just like, everything is spiritual. Everything means something. Right. Uh, this and fell and the glass fell. It means something. And they call you right away. And they think what that happened? the is just sitting there next to the phone with nothing else to do, yes. like a suicide line or something, you know, that you're available 20%. And, and that's not reasonable. So yeah. a parent should be available you know, during a reasonable, like I tell my God kids, don't call me before nine o'clock in the morning because I don't want to talk to anybody until I've had my coffee. And don't call me after nine o'clock at night because I want to be watching my telenovela or whatever, or reading. <laughs> I love it. So, you know, you set limits and you say, but yeah. if you've got a question, you know, and you need to talk to me, call me. So you need to be available within reason. You need to be honest. I, I feel very strongly about this. And, you know, things cost money. So if I'm going to give you the warriors, there are things that go into that ceremony mm -hmm. that cost money. And I can't just say, oh, it's free. You know, it's all spiritual. It's all free. Nothing costs anything. Mm -hmm. It does. You know, you have to buy things. So I think it's very important to charge fair prices. So whatever that is in your area, you know, depending on the cost of plants and things like that, that you need, you need to figure out how much it costs to do this ceremony and your price needs to be fair and you need to be honest. And that is to say you need to do the ceremony the way it needs to be done. You need to explain it clearly. You need to make sure that the God child understands what this ceremony is. Mm -hmm. If they receive their warriors, how are they going to attend to them? You know, yes. what you might want to start teaching them now that they're this far into the religion. That's up to the godparent to decide. The godparent has to set healthy boundaries of, of being able to say, I'm sorry, but you're not initiated. You can't know that. That's not for you to know. And that's just the way it is. You know, you have to set healthy boundaries because you cannot enable a God child. Yes. The God child is saying, I don't like this or blah, blah, blah. It's like, I'm sorry, but that's what it is. That's, that's what it is. You have to accept that. You Can you elaborate on the enabling part? Because you're about to jump into some more goodness. Okay. But I caught it because I understand that. Yeah. But I want other people to understand some of what we have to work with when we're dealing with potentials. I'm going to call them potentials because, yeah, uh, you know, sure. what does that mean that we do not want to enable and why these boundaries are put in place? I caught that, but I'm sure you can share some more goodness. <laughs> well, um, what I think, and again, you know, this is my personal philosophy. Yes, of course. Is that a lot of people are looking for spirituality of some kind to heal trauma and wounds from life. Mm -hmm. and I understand that. I'm really sympathetic to it. Some people, you know, have serious emotional issues or substance abuse or mental illness or, you know, they're the victims of some kind of violence. Something bad happened to them. Mm -hmm. I'm very sensitive to that. But I also am aware that I am not a trained professional to deal with psychological counseling. You know, I'm not licensed to be their psychotherapist. And as a godparent, I can't allow them to make excuses for not doing things properly. And by that, I mean, um, you know, like if I give somebody their necklaces, their elekes, and I tell them, how to take care of the elekes. And I explain and I'm very clear what these represent and what you're supposed to do with them and how you care for them. And then, you know, a month later they come and they say, oh, I got mad, I got frustrated because my boyfriend broke up with me. So I threw my elekes in the garbage. I'm not going to say, oh, that's okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to say that's extremely disrespectful and I don't, I don't know if you deserve <laughs> to have Alekes given to you again because what you just did was terrible. I'm sorry that you are upset that your boyfriend broke up with you. I'm sorry that you feel lonely. I'm sorry you feel disappointed or whatever you're feeling. Mm -hmm. I can be compassionate about that, but you cannot yell at me. You cannot treat me disrespectfully. You cannot come drunk to my house and make a scandal. Yes. You know? 
religious ceremony. You cannot start fights with other people in my house. There's a set of rules about how you're supposed to behave. And I'm sorry that you have trauma or I'm sorry that you are carrying this burden from the past, but that does not excuse really, you know, kind of antisocial or bad behavior that will disrupt my religious community. Yes. And that's very important to me. You know, I'll say, here's a list of counselors. Go get social help, you know, social worker, help, whatever you need. I'm willing to give them referrals and say, I support you in this and I hope you get better soon. And when you are better, come back. But the religion is not the place to come with all of your messed up problems to, to wreak havoc among everybody else. Well, I think it's important. I want, okay, so remember when I told you that I have two lenses on, the lenses of before and the lenses of after? Mm -hmm. Some people may choose to listen and just hear one piece of it. It's Mm -hmm. not like you said, they're not welcome here. It's more of you can still come because we're all broken in one way Mm -hmm. or another. All of us are a work in progress. But what you said was important because sometimes people hear what they want to hear. What you said is that you can't come with your stuff to wreak havoc. That Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you can't come with you, all of you. But if you're working towards getting better, I think that's going to be a very different story than I'm just going to come and be and destroy because... I don't know, I'm being drama full or whatever. Right. I, I want people to understand that. It's not that we don't, that we're not looking for perfection because there's no such thing. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody brings flaws and everybody has stuff that they bring. But the thing that's very, very important to me is that this is a community-based religion. Yes. And when you're doing things in a group, it can't just all be about this one individual who has impulse control problems, for example. Okay. Um, If you're going to come to an event where there are 50 people or a hundred people and you come in and you're drunk and you start a fight with someone, that's not acceptable. Yeah, that's not acceptable. And I don't really care what your excuse is. You need to go deal with that someplace else because the, you know, the religion, we're not going to judge you because you're drunk, but we don't want you here <laughs> like that. Gotcha. Go someplace else, deal with it, and come back here when you can be respectful and salute your elders and behave appropriately before the drums and dress appropriately, you know, because we have protocols, we have rules that people need to follow. And it's not just arbitrary and kind of meaningless rules. They're rules that make sure the community will continue to function smoothly. And at our ceremonies, we want, we want there to be good energy. We want there to be positive energy. We want there to be tranquility and peace and harmony and that kind of energy flowing back and forth. We don't want somebody coming in and creating a big mess. And I I think that that's a very good distinction that you made that, you know, people can have lots of problems, but when they're going to be interacting with the religious community, they need to try to control themselves Mm -hmm. best they can. Yeah. So we've spoken a lot about what we are expecting as the people in the community. Like I said, this is just for, it's not called potentials, but so that we can make a different, a differentiation of the alejos that are potential God children or people within the community or for an egbe, right? Mm-hmm. So we've already spoken about some of what the characteristics and responsibilities of them are. So I would love to ask you, in your opinion, for them, what should they look for in a possible godparent or priest to work with? Let's just use godparent because that's the one we're focusing on. So what characteristics should they look for? Okay. What do you think? Um, Yeah, once once again, this is probably going to just reflect my values and my Mm -hmm. opinion. Other people might say something different. But for me, I think it's very, very important that this person you're considering as your godparent be well respected in their community and well integrated 
into an established community of Olorichas. And by that, I mean, they cannot just be a free agent that came from nowhere, has no connection to anybody and doesn't work with anybody else. And they do everything alone in isolation because our religion doesn't work that way. Our religion is community-based. And so even if I'm considering someone from my godparent who may be relatively young in the religion and doesn't have a lot of experience, that's okay if they are still close to their own godparent, their godparent will be able to help them, they've got elders who will back them up and help them, because every ceremony is a teaching and learning occasion for everybody there, pretty much, and so you're not going to look for necessarily the most famous godparent or the one with 82 years of oricha, you know, you need to look for somebody that other people in the community say, oh, that's your godmother, you know, she's very good, or oh, he's your godfather, I really respect him. So people in the community, I think, need to have a feeling of respect for that person because you earn respect in your community. And if that person has elders who are committed to helping them and training them, and they've got others in the community who support them and work with them, you're going to have a better experience with them. And it speaks well to their character that they're held in high regard by other people who are also respectable, legitimate priests. Like you say, none of us are perfect. So you're not going to be looking for the godparent who never gets angry or never makes a mistake. Mm -hmm. They're, They're human beings. So I think it's really important not to put the godparent on a pedestal. A lot of beginners tend to do that. It's like, oh, I met the most wonderful. No, they're just a human being. But I do think that it's important to take an honest look at that person's life. And by that, that's where I'm stressing again the importance of getting to know them as a person, because you want to just kind of observe how they live. Are they financially stable? I don't mean rich, but like, are they on the point of being evicted from their apartment? (laughs) You know, are they? I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Financially stable. Are they emotionally stable? You know, like, are they able to kind of maintain stable relationships with people? Are they mature in the way they interact with other people? Are they honest Are they respectful toward other people? Because if their life, if the life of this godparent is in constant chaos and drama going on all the time, and they don't have any good relationships with any other people in the religion, there's a problem. Yes. Okay. And I also think finally, it's important to say that you you need to find somebody as a human being who has similar values to you and a compatible personality. I don't mean identical to you, but somebody mm-hmm. that, you know, you can really communicate with. They get you. They, they listen to you. Somebody that you feel comfortable talking to. And culture plays a big role here because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of our elders come from Cuba or Puerto Rico and they're Spanish speakers. And if you don't speak Spanish and you don't know what they're talking about and their culture is foreign to you and, you know, you just see this little lady running around screaming at everybody and you don't know why and you don't know what she's saying, it's going to be very confusing to you, right? And everybody yeah. else laughing and they're going like, oh, there was abuela again. She's all worked up. You know, it doesn't mean anything. But if you're not from that culture, it can be really confusing and you can feel unwelcome or, you know, oh, he's mad at me. I don't know why he's yelling at me. So I I really do think that you have to consider, you know, the people in the community, the godparent and the people in the community, can you communicate with them? Do do you speak the same language? Like do, do they speak English or do you speak Spanish? You also need to kind of think about, you know, their culture, because if they all grew up in the countryside of Cuba and you're from New York City, your experience of life is going to be pretty different. And so yes. your values may be different. And you just need to think about whether you can deal with that effectively or not. And it might be better for you to find somebody from your own community, you know, um, who, who who grew up where you grew up and understand mm-hmm. where you're coming from. That's a personal choice. But I would say those are the things that I would recommend looking for in a godparent. Oh, that was so good. That was so <laughs> good. I, I don't even, yeah, that was so good. That was so good. I hope everybody is going to take notes. <laughs> I'm here over here. And I don't know if you heard me. I'm, my pen was absolutely going because that was so good. 
I don't, yeah, that was so good. I hope that people can really understand and take notes and re-listen to this because that was so good. And it just has real life experiences. And this is experience talking and just take tons of notes and read them again. So since they're going to be taking some more notes, I'm hoping because I am such a lover of pen and paper. What advice, what advice would you give to folks who are new in our traditions? I know we talk about a ton of stuff. I mean, this was so good, so good. But if we were to crank it down, just let's just crunch it down to three bites, three bites. What would be the three things that would be most important for a new person to consider when they're looking for the way we've been kind of talking about it, when they're shopping around for a godparent, mm-hmm. what would be the three sound bites, the three pieces of advice that you think are the top three? Okay. The number one thing for me, and this is something a lot of people don't want to hear is that you need to be very clear in your own mind about why you want to do this. You have to give it serious thought and you have to understand what does it even mean to be in the religion? Like, what exactly is that? What would that mean in terms of how you're going to live the rest of your life? What are the expectations and obligations that go with this ceremony or that ceremony? Because it really is a commitment for life. Yes. And you can't just get initiated and then change your mind and say, oh, this wasn't for me. Because in my opinion, once you are crowned, that's it. Whether you want to be in the religion or not, those orichas were put to your head and they're not going to go away. (laughs) So you have to know what it is you're doing and why you want to do it. And you have to be brutally honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for like the magic bullet to fix all your problems, or you want to get wealthy or whatever, you want to find the ideal love of your life, that's not why you go into the religion. So be very, very clear and very honest with yourself about why you want to be in the religion. And I think that if you are honest with yourself, that's going to give you more insight into what kind of godparent that you're going to find. Because you're not going to go out and just, you know, fall into the hands of the first charlatan that comes along and promises you the world. You're going to be very clear about this is what I want. And I need a person like this who can help me do that. The second thing I would say is, and this was some advice given to me when I was a yabo, I'll never forget it. An experienced Santero in Cuba told me, don't put your faith in human beings. Humans will let you down, but your egon and the orichas never will. And I think that that's a really important point because we hear so many people say, oh my God, parent, it didn't work out. We broke up. We're never going to see each other again. We don't talk to each other anymore. And so I don't want to be in the religion. It was a mistake. I don't want to do this. Um, You cannot confuse the human problems that come up either with a godparent or god sibling or your community. Those are human problems. Those are human failures. But if you have faith in your egon and the orichas, you are not going to want to abandon the religion just because you have a bad experience with a human being. I think that's an important mm-hmm. to point out. And the other thing I've already said many times is that you have to be patient And you have to believe that things will work out the way they're supposed to work out. You can't force it and you can't rush it. So that's just kind of summarizing the points that I've made before. But it is very, very important to be clear about why do you want to be in this religion? What does that even mean to you? And then if that's your goal, then come up with an organized plan of how you can realistically do that. I don't know if you heard my pen going, but it was going. It was so going. These are very good points. And not that people want to hear it. That's not what they want to hear. They want to hear who their Arisha is and mm-hmm. how they're going to get initiated next month. This is 
very sound advice. I am so grateful. I really, really am. I'm super grateful. Thank you for that. I am hoping that the community will hear it. And I'm sure we're going to see tons of comments on it because it was honest and it's coming from not just your experience. I think it's also coming from your point of view, what you've seen within the tradition. So this is great. Thank you so much for that. So after all of that heavy duty conversation, because I'm going to, I don't know, I'm going to have a collection of priests and you're one that I'm going to put in my pocket to say fun things to me about the traditions. But with a little more, in a little more lighthearted way, if there, there's a fun question I love to ask. If there was a vision on how the world would be, what would that look like for you? And this is open to whatever it is for you. Well, my first reaction is to say that I'm a very realistic person. So I have, I think, a realistic vision of what the world is. The world is made up of both good and bad. And that's part of our religion because we learn that if the bad didn't exist, we couldn't recognize and appreciate the good. I think that's a really profound concept because what it tells us is that bad things are going to happen sometime. There are bad people out there. There are bad things. And when we encounter them, it's a learning opportunity. It's an opportunity for growth. So I see the world as good and bad, dark and light, that contrast, the binary contrast are really important in our religion. But if I were going to be idealistic and say, oh, we could do a little better. Yes, we could. Ideally, I would just like people to try to be a little bit kinder to each other and a little bit more humble. I'd like to see them put their egos aside and to interact with each other in a more compassionate way. I think it would also really please me if the religion didn't become a commercial enterprise for a lot of people. I worry that that's what's happening, that people are buying and selling things like it's some kind of product that you get on the internet or something. And I, I really don't think that's the right way to think about a religion or to, to interact with our religion. So I would like it if people would go into the religion for the right reason, which I think is the love of the orichas and the desire to be part of this tradition, to connect with, with our tradition into the past. And I think that they also need to commit to trying to do something good for the community. Even if it's a tiny thing, don't do harm. But if you can do something good, do it. That is awesome. And I think you're absolutely right. So people in the community, it's time for us to get our kind on. It's time for us to get our commitment on. And it's all time for us to be a little more humble because I'd love to make her vision happen. So this <laughs> is really good. So people are going to be clamoring to find out where they can find you online. I can see it. <laughs> well, uh, I actually have an educational website that has been up, oh, I don't know, six years or something Ooh, like that. Do share. It's called www.aboutsanteria all one word, no capitals, aboutsanteria.com. So it's www.aboutsanteria.com. And they can contact me there. There's a, a button that says, you know, contact me. But also there's a lot of information on the page. I wrote the page thinking mostly about aleos, people that are new to the religion, who don't understand, don't know how to even start to understand it. So there's a lot of very basic information, but it's also turned out to be a good um, resource for other priests whose God kids are always asking the same questions. They say, just go read this. <laughs> I don't have to repeat it. And it's also really good for people who are in the religion whose family and friends are not. And their family is saying like, oh, you're devil worshipers or, you know, you're evil. Or, they have a lot of mistaken ideas about our religion. They can go to my website and read about it if they're you know interested and they can see 
that it's not what they think it is. And I hope it will make them a little more open-minded and accepting of our traditions. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I'm going to have a lot of trouble because I've just spent so much time writing because this was so good. I can't thank you enough for your time and for being so gracious to hang out with our listeners in the Orisha Wisdom community. They're going to be absolutely thrilled because I am super excited to have you and I, I can't thank you enough. Well, thank you. Your, your enthusiasm is really refreshing. I enjoy it and it's nice to feel appreciated. So thank you very much for your kind words and, and I hope people will find this helpful. You don't even need to hope. That's a done deal. It's helpful. It's totally helpful. Good to know. We have reached the end of this amazing episode. Oh my goodness. What did you think? Wasn't that amazing? I do hope that you enjoyed this and really learned from it. There were so many topics in there that we discussed and that I think that they should just be brought out to light. It was just a lot of very real discussion here. I am so grateful for her time. A couple of things before I go. If you are new to the Orisha Wisdom podcast, you might have a ton of questions like how to get a cat parent or or anything that may be going on. And now we have a new way to capture your questions. And if your question is chosen, it will be featured here in the Arisha Wisdom Podcast. How to get your question into us? Easy. Just go to www.orishawisdom.com forward slash ask a priest. No dashes, no points, no dots. Just ask a priest. I'm so excited to finally have a place to keep all of your incoming questions beautifully organized. I cannot wait to see your questions. If you liked this episode, which I'm hoping that you did because it was amazing, like it, comment, and of course, share it. We are now on YouTube. So when you go over there, I hope you will subscribe and click on the little bell icon so that you will be the first to know when there is a new podcast or video uploaded. I will link you to the YouTube channel on the show notes so you do not have to worry about a thing. Now, for the show notes, and this is also where you're going to find details on how to get a hold of Iya Enyi Acho, definitely go to www.orishawisdom.com forward slash 36, the number three and six. In there, I will link to everything that she that we talked about and also, of course, where to find her. Stay tuned for the next couple of episodes. I'm not going to give it away, but I will say this has to do with a yawol. Another one has to do with one of the biggest challenges that are among the Orisha community. And we're also going to tackle a couple of your questions They're going to be very good episodes, and I cannot wait to share them with you. Until next time, may the elevated ancestors and all Orisha bless you immensely. Odabo! Thank you for listening to the Orisha Wisdom Podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes at orishawisdom.com forward slash podcast. Can't get enough of Orisha Wisdom? Check us out at orishawisdom.com and subscribe to our community. Remember, the wisdom of Ifa and Orisha is all around us. Be blessed, and until next time.